We're getting it. <gasps> we are. We are getting it. No, we just got your conversation. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> right on me? We're going to have to do something. I know, but it's To God be the glory, everybody. It, what a joy it is to have you all here. We got a new fella here, Ling. Ling, what is your last name? Brammer? Okay. Well, welcome. Uh, let you all know right off the bat, God has blessed five of our youth to go to camp this year, Yay. fully paid for by the bread of the mighty. Yay. What is the bread of the mighty? The food bank where we get our food from. Oh, good. And it's a Christian camp called Camp Anderson. Mm-hmm. And uh, let me encourage you all to go online just to look at it. And uh, you'll see some amazing things take place with those youth out there. I'm hoping to establish a partnership with them so I can go out and do some ministry sometime with the kids. Um, God is doing some amazing things. Yesterday, uh, the Lord just allowed me to do some stuff before him. And I went through the entire book of Zechariah yesterday starting in-depth into, matter of fact, late into the night last night. And I thought I knew a lot about the announcement of the coming of the Messiah through the Psalms of King David and through the writings of the prophet Isaiah and some of the other prophets. But I never realized how in-depth the book of Zechariah is about the Messiah. I mean, it's just like pinpoint accuracy, and it, and, and it blows, blows me away. And uh, I'm excited about what you all are doing in your own walk with the Lord. I think about, again, the baptism that took place, uh, what the Lord did that day. I think about the Sunday before that at Mount Olive Baptist Church. By the way, Belinda and I was married in that church. And so uh, I want to encourage you all, God is getting ready to do a mighty work on the earth. There's going to be a great outpouring of his spirit upon all flesh. And right now, the Holy Spirit is preparing vessels for this right now, right now. And yesterday, God just did something so amazing with me. We'll talk about that later and do know that the Lord is on the move. Okay, what you're about to see today in the scriptures as we get ready to go before the Lord in prayer, uh, let me encourage you to pray for some stuff here, because what Paul is going to bring out in this book, in this particular part of his letter, he's going to be talking about the transition between this life and the next life and how that's going to take place. And he said how he's looking forward to that. And we're going to see the Spirit just do phenomenal things in this chapter. It's going to help you better understand also if we close out towards the end of this chapter, it's going to show you what God did with Jesus on the cross. Because most people, when they look at the cross, they just think about Jesus being put to death. But they have no idea of the actions, the acts that took place while he was on the cross. 
And we're going to be looking at some of those things today. So it's going to give you a, a, a wider range of understanding, or shall we say, give you more insight into what he did. Um, aunt Ann, my wife's aunt, had a surgery today, so she's probably in recovery right now. And so had a hip replaced. So that's major surgery. She has a long recovery ahead of her, but the Holy Spirit is able to shorten that time for healing. Amen? Amen. Um, I want you all, want to encourage you all from this moment forward to see yourselves as a priest of God, the priest of Christ. So from now on out, when you go to, to speak things, expect things to happen. Did you get that? Expect things to happen. Because there's power in the name of Jesus. Oh, y'all are tired today. <laughs> but it is. It really is. When the Lord commissioned us and he anointed us for this work on earth, uh, people, you have no idea what takes place between you and heaven. And every time you say, in the name of Jesus. When you read in the book of Zechariah, let me slow myself down. Have you heard saints say, I rebuke you, devil? Have you heard that? Yeah. Do you think things happen when they say, I rebuke you, devil? Yeah. Do you think things happen? We, we rebuke in Jesus' name, we expect things to happen. Ah, there you are. But what God did with the high priest Joshua, when God was defending him, when Lord Jesus was standing in, defending Joshua against Satan accusation. Now Satan is standing right there in heaven, right there, accusing Joshua. When you read, the Lord rebukes you. That means there's power coming from somewhere, and it's the Lord himself. And when Jesus rebukes somebody, when he rebukes something, I'm telling you, it happened, but when you rebuke somebody, nothing happens. But if you say the Lord Jesus Christ rebuked you, devil, things happen. Things happen. That's true. Okay? It happens. And giving God the glory because that's what the Father had the Son give us. But we don't necessarily do it that way. And But he wants us to because that's the order of things. Okay? Um, please pray continually for a building. I, I sense uh, urgency coming on here soon. Mm-hmm. I really do. And, uh, but also people have been asking me all this week, last week, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? As I said to a lady yesterday, I said, God has a building for us. It just hadn't showed us where it is yet. Okay. <laughs> He's got somebody making it this way. That's right. So I believe in his great wisdom, his timing is always perfect. Okay? All right. Pray for the building. Pray now. 
that the Lord Jesus Christ will open the hearts of lost people. Right here. Right here. There's a lot of work to be done right here. All we got to do is just ask the Holy Spirit, who do we talk to today? Where do we go, Holy Ghost? Who needs to hear God bless you or Jesus Christ is Lord or you need to know this? I want to share this with you and then we'll go to the Lord in prayer as the Holy Spirit leads you. I want you to pray earnestly from your heart because this is prayer meeting and Bible study. And I want you to pursue the Lord with all your heart in your prayer. Okay? And don't worry about the person around you. Pray earnestly to the Lord. Can we pray for all the safe travels to the people coming for graduation? Sure. Lots of people traveling here. Yes, you can pray for that. Okay? I want to share this with you, and I know it's going to go out around the world, but it has to be said. When I was a boy back in the 60s, I admired Cassius Clay. You were a young man in the 60s. You all were young adults in the 60s. And you may have admired him as well. His courage, his, his ability to, to talk trash to his opponents and overpower them with finesse and strength and speed. But what I want to tell you, when I was a, a, a boy in the 60s, I knew Cassius Clay as Cassius Clay. And when later they told us that he had changed his name to Muhammad Ali, none of us knew what that meant. We didn't know he was still the same old person. Okay? However, I had a talk with my baby boy back there, Marquise, and I was talking, and earlier in the day I had talked with my wife, and this morning I talked with some folks at the food bank. Muhammad Ali passed away over the weekend. We know that. He leaves behind a great legacy. Hear me carefully now. He leaves behind a great legacy. Done a lot of humanitarian things with his name and his, his status. Yes? Yes. He did. That's good. But what broke my heart yesterday is what the Spirit showed me about this man that I admired as a childhood hero to me. Is that at some point in his life as a young man, he came under false teachings. And that false teaching by Elijah Muhammad told him to renounce Jesus Christ the white man's religion, as they, as they called it back then, and to get rid of his so-called slave name. And that's what was said. Am I right, Mr. Dave? And in doing so, he rejected God's son. So I said to my wife and my son yesterday, I said, it did not end well for Muhammad Ali when he took his last breath here on earth. People, this is what happens when you reject the son of the living God. 
Jesus Christ. You go into eternal punishment. You cannot be saved. There is no second chance in the afterlife. Salvation comes while you are alive. When you consciously make the decision to follow Jesus Christ, God's only begotten Son. Amen. As much as I love this man, and I even got a chance to meet him when I was an Army recruiter in 1984 at Northwestern High School in Baltimore, one of the schools I recruited at, when they were doing the food drive for Ethiopia. You, you all remember the food drive back in the mid-'80s there for Ethiopia? I met him along with the guy that played as Roger on What's Happening. Y'all remember the show What's Happening? Yeah. Well, him and Roger came to Northwestern, and they were getting all these high school kids to, to, to get their neighbors to give canned goods, and that's what it was, a national canned good raising uh, collection so that they can put them on ships and send them to Ethiopia. A great, great thing, great humanitarian efforts. I remember him putting his big old fist upside my face because I was wearing my uniform, and he did not like the military. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, he said, because of what Elijah Muhammad had taught him. <coughs> but I'm not going to take up a whole lot of our time anymore with this. Do know people of this caliber will not enter into the kingdom of God. We put this, if we get on the loudspeakers, the world will stone us to death for speaking this truth. But this is the truth of the gospel. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoso believe in him will not perish, but have what? Everlasting life or eternal life, okay? And he said, God did not send his son. This is Jesus himself speaking. This truth come right out of the mouth of Jesus himself. So in essence, right out of the mouth of God. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but through him the world might be what? Saved. Saved. But he who do not believe in the son is already condemned. Because why? He has not believed in the only begotten son of God. So people need to hear this truth. <coughs> the greatest sin is to reject God's Son. And that, my friends, is a blasphemy of the Holy Spirit when you refuse to attribute salvation to God's Son and you give it to someone else. That grieves the Spirit of God beyond measure. Okay? So with every heart prepared, somebody need you to call their name out in prayer today. Someone needs to know that Jesus Christ still cares. Someone on a new job needs to know that Jesus cares. Even a new kid on the block needs to know Jesus, the Son of God, cares. <coughs> Old friends needs to know that Jesus cares. This couple here has known my family longer than anybody here. 
beautiful, loving. They, they've been a very integral part of our lives. And yet, they still need to tell somebody that Jesus cares. Amen? And that's what Camp Anderson is all about, telling youth that Jesus, the Son of God, cares. And we're going to see tonight. Will you start us in prayer, please? <clears throat> Father, we come before you this evening. We come before you asking for Camp Anderson, Father, for all the kids that go there, that they would know you. Yes, Jesus. To know you in a greater way than they ever had. Yes, Father. And also that they will, in return, take it to their family, to their mom, their dad, and brothers, sisters. Yes, Lord. And proclaim your word, Lord. Your word is mighty. Your yes, is Lord. Truth. And it, and it should be shouted in the mountains. Help us, Lord, to do that. Yes. Help us to be a light for the world, like your son, Jesus. And Father, we thank you for him, that he gave his life for us. Yes, thank you, Lord. And we need to share that, Lord. We need to know what was done on the cross. Because at the cross, it was all taken care of. Yes. When he said it was done, it was done. Everything was done. Thank we you, Lord. We can do all things through Jesus. Thank you. And Father, we thank you for your son. Yes, Lord. Oh, dear Lord, I'm calling out my friend Karen mm -hmm. to you, Father. I've been praying for her for a long time. But Holy Spirit, you will just woo her. Give her favor with the words that I say and help her to just see, see a millionized lifestyle and how we depend on you so much. Yes. Tender her heart. You really start searching for you, Father. Yes, Lord. I don't want to lose her. I'm, I'm asking you to keep her, keep her safe until she understands and receives you into her heart. Yes. In Jesus' name. Yes. I want you to bless everybody in here. And I think that we should go out and fish and get more people in our Bible class. Some people don't even know Jesus and they have to be taught. You have to go fishing pretty soon. And I hope we have a church soon. And I'm pretty sure we're going to get this church that I sing today. And I hope you'll guide us to it because it looks like it might be a great little church for us. Father, I'll make this short. Thanks for having us to gather together here in your name. Yes. And hopefully there'll be many, many more gatherings of this type and even larger. Yes, Lord. Thank you for having us. Yes, yes. 
Father, I want to pray for um, a new building, whatever building you want to give us. I want to pray for my family that's on their way down here. I'd like to pray for that you touch the people at Dollar General where I used to work that you haven't reached yet. Um, and the people at the new place that I work at, at John Conduit, so that they can have a relationship with you. Lord, I want to pray for Auntie with a new hit today. I want to pray for a quick recovery. She already knows she so just touch her and let her know you're with her as yes, she feels through the pain that she's going to feel. Just heal her up so quick. Let her feel new again. And I want to pray for my husband and his new job. I want to pray that he can reach people there and let them know who you are so you can touch their hearts as well. I just want to pray for the family that are traveling here just to be safe yes, on the highways, to be safe going through all the weather they may encounter, and uh, all the people that are affected by the weather, I want to pray for them too, please help them find safety and uh, help them to recover from whatever storm that may, they may have come across. Emma? Dear God, uh, I just wanted to pray for our youth. I uh, know that some of, of the people in our youth have been having uh, struggles with addiction. And I especially want to pray for Arvin because I know he's been having uh, like a disconnection with weed and with himself lately. And just really to pray for him. And uh, I just want to pray for our family that's coming down here to have safe travels. Anyone else when I close out in prayer? Marquise? Marquise? Would you like to pray? Anybody else? Father, we thank you so much that you're among us in Jesus' name, as Brother Dave said. What a blessing to be in your presence, Lord, and you're bringing us here, and we pray, dear Jesus, that you will assemble us here more and more and more, and that you're your children will grow and multiply even more in this place until finally, Lord, the walls won't be able to contain us. And Lord, as we seek out those who are lost and carrying your gospel that they can be saved, Father, I touch and agree with every prayer 
that's been brought before your throne of grace today in Jesus' name, Lord, that, they will, that you will honor it, Father, and that their prayers will be answered for the glory of your son, Jesus. And Lord, we need to constantly uh, give you the glory and honor because you're God and God alone. Besides you, there is no other God. And your son, Jesus, is absolutely the only savior of the world, regardless what man says, Lord. Your word is true and it cannot be discredited. It cannot be impeached. Your word stands well, as the psalmist said, O Lord, your word is forever settled in heaven. And Lord, we know that you said it, that settles it, nothing else need to be added to it. And Father, we ask that a mighty outpouring of your spirit to be among us tonight as we're looking into your word. Holy Spirit, move us into the presence of the Lord for the glory of Christ our Lord. Have your way, Lord. We love you. We praise you. We honor you. Without you, there is no us. You, is, you are the absolute creator of all things. You spoke this universe into existence. You took the dirt and created man. Not the lies that are propagated, Lord. Now there, there's a new saying that they're saying that a meteorite brought amino acids here and life began. Father, we know that you spoke and it happened. And you took the dirt from Eden in your own hands and you fashioned it and you breathed the breath of life into it and became a living being. And Lord, we thank you for that. And Father, we know, we know, we know that someday you're going to send your son Jesus back. And Lord Jesus, you will stand and rule over all creation. You will gather the nations together as a herdsman, as a shepherd gather his flock. And you will divide the sheep from the goats. And you will, you will give our rewards that day to your sheep everlasting life and to the, to the goats everlasting condemnation. But Lord, right now, while we're in this period of grace by you, Father, we ask that the Holy Ghost, the same spirit that saved us, will go out and touch others so that we can give them your gospel so that they could be saved. Because your word says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Lord, that's all of us. Not one of us is exempt from that. And we thank you that by your grace we are saved. And Lord, it is a sad thing about Muhammad Ali. It's a tragedy, Lord, when a man rejects Christ. And Lord, we're asking now that the liar, the liar and the deceiver, he would stop, Lord. Stop the lies by the mouth of the deceiver that's going out into all the earth. Let your people's ears be open and their hearts soften, Lord, and their eyes open so that they can see, their ears open so they can hear, and their hearts soften so they understand the gospel truth, <laughs> that the only way to God is by Jesus Christ, who's the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one can come to the Father except by Jesus. And so, Lord, we thank you that you love a written word down here that we call the Bible. And Lord, in that word, it brings forth life. Why? Because it punches to you the life giver. Jesus, you are eternal life that came down from the Father. And it is you and the Father that we share in fellowship with. And we hope to share your fellowship with others. And now, Lord, as we set restless, as we listen and prepare our hearts to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit in your word, we ask, Lord, that you pierce us deep within our spirits, within our soul, within our bodies, Lord, and, uh, and, and quicken us and, and awaken us to the new light of what the Spirit is doing. And now, Lord, help us to eagerly get involved for the glory of Christ who sits on the throne and to God Almighty, who's God alone. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 You're going to see in the passage that's, type in 2500 there. But you're going to see in the passage um, a lot of Old Testament imagery that needs to be brought out. Paul is really, it's almost at the point that he's aggravated as he's writing this portion of the scriptures. As he's addressing a second letter, and possibly this could be the third letter, and we'll see later on in this, in this particular uh, book uh, about that. But right now, his heart is grieved. And he wants you and I to know, because he just wasn't speaking to the Corinthians of that day. The Holy Ghost had you and I in mind also, and every other Christian, okay? So as we're hearing the Word of God, don't think that this is just an ancient word. The Word is alive, and it's alive forevermore. Amen. And it's applicable for all times, for all generations, for all people. Okay? It is not an outdated word like people say. It's old and antiquated. Well, they may have new ways on the earth, but God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. The Lord say, I'm the Lord, and I do not change. Amen. Okay? And so, he's writing, for we know that if the earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, he's using a great analogy here because the people current would have understood about tents. Okay? Even the Jews would have known this, especially because they have a festival called the Festival of Tabernacle or the Festival of Booths, where they had to make makeshift shelter when they was coming out of Egypt to stay in for 40 years. And so when they hear this thing about a tent, here's the image that he also is, is drawing to you and I as metaphorically he's speaking about your body. And he's going to use some more language here that needs to be uncovered is that when you put a tent on, you're not naked under the tent. You're clothed in something. You have clothes on. The tent is another shelter. Amen? Amen. And so, let's look on. For we know that if the earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, in other words, that's death. Okay, torn down is a metaphor for death. All right? We have a building from God. A house not made with hands. Now, if you was a Jew, you would have been familiar with this term because they knew that Father Abraham was looking for a house not made with what? Come on, stay with me. Human, Human, hands. Human hands. As the writer Hebrew would tell us, that Abraham was searching for a city, a house that was not made with human hands, whose builder is who? God himself. That means heaven. <coughs> the eternal in the heavens. Do you recall on the night in which Lord Jesus was betrayed, what did he tell his disciples right off the bat? Do you recall the conversation at night? I'm going away. Yeah. What did he say I'm going to do? Prepare a house. Prepare 
a house or a place. For who? For, for you, for us. Okay? This is the same language. That Jesus Christ has prepared the house in heaven, but he's also preparing this house. Okay? This house is going to be torn down. But God got a better house waiting on you. Amen. Amen. This house is destroyed by car wrecks. It's destroyed by diseases. It's destroyed by a number of things, wild beasts, you name it. Time itself. Okay? Time itself breaks this house down. You don't look the same you looked 70 years ago. Oh, I didn't mean to say that. <laughs> but face it, you're not that handsome little boy that used to run around your dad's leg out in the fields. Are you? No. You're not your dad, handsome looking fellow. Am I right? No. And back in them days, you had hair just like me, right? I did. <laughs> okay. And it's color, too. That's right. <laughs> but... Over time, as you said, this tabernacle began to weaken. And things changed. And, and King Solomon does a beautiful job in writing about this in the book of Ecclesiastes. And not talking about the time, the seasons for everything. That's not, not that part. You've got to go beyond that. And it talks about how the eyes become dim. Okay? And the hair becomes silver. And the legs become feeble. To eventually the silver lining has to be what? Cut. That means you die. Okay? So Paul is saying, listen, this is a transitional period. We are going through a transition. So this earthly tabernacle, this earthly house, it's going to be torn down. Okay? Every house that is built must be torn down. Now, if you recall in his first letter in chapter 15, he said, in the twinkling of an eye, we all shall be what? Change. Oh, oh y'all make me happy today. We all shall be changed. Okay? A twinkling of an eye is pretty doggone fast. So even that rapidly, this old man gets gone. And you take on what? The new man. And over in the letter to the Thessalonians, he said, whether you're in the grave or the dead in Christ shall do what? Rise first. Or if we're alive in what? Remain. Then we'll be caught up to meet the Lord together in the air or the heavens. Okay? So it's important that you understand what he's saying here. And, and, and if the Corinthians were listening carefully when this letter is read in their audience, he's telling them, folks, get ready. We're going home. Most of us don't want to hear that. But we're going home. Okay? Eventually. Whether it's today, tonight, tomorrow, the next day, or whatever. We are going home. We're taking off this earthly tabernacle, which go all the way back to the Garden of Eden. In chapter 3 of Genesis, as we know it, <coughs> thus you came from, and thus you shall return. return. 
you're taking off this earthly tabernacle. Okay? So, for indeed in this house we groan, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven. You don't even know at night why you're wrestling and you're tossing and turning. Why am I so uncomfortable? Anybody ever get like that? And you sit up on your bed and you don't understand, Lord, what's wrong with me? It's because your spirit is longing, longing, not longing, longing to be with the Lord. It's your inner man is groaning. It's a God when it's going to happen. David even wrote and said, Lord, when shall I stand before you? Another imagery of this is in Zechariah chapter 3. Joshua the high priest is standing before God with filthy clothes on. And Satan stand there to bring accusations against him. Look how he's dressed. And he's standing before you. So God makes the transition with him. Is this not a brand that's plucked out of the fire? Oh yeah, I know he's done some things. And, and, and you know what? That brand is not brass or iron or copper or gold. It's wood. So that means it's smoked up. It's black. And you don't want to use it for anything. And God said, I know he's black. I know he's coming. I pulled him out of the fire, but he's mine. Now take those filthy rags off of him and put this clean white robe on him. Amen? And so we see this. We see this. So we want to King James even tell you, for in this we groan honestly, desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. Jesus, I want to go home. When are, when are we going to stop this suffering? When is it all going to end? And when are we going to put on the new man? Okay, we know our spirit is new, but we still got the old house. So when is this going to change? Verse 3. Romans Vicky side, NIV. Because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. Throughout the Old Testament, there is an image and there's a thing given by God, especially in the Levitical letter to the Levitical priesthood. To tell the people, do not uncover your father nakedness, do not cover your mother nakedness, or your sister, or your brother, or your niece, or your uncle's wife, or your brother's wife, or so-and-so, or daughter, right? I mean, he just, uh, Jacob's son. And so, he said, don't uncover your nakedness. But let's push it back a couple of thousand years before that, possibly 3,000 years 
or maybe 4,000 years. Let's keep going backwards until we're back in the Garden of Eden. We're in Eden. And look at the man and the woman walking around, enjoying themselves in the garden before God who's holy and they're butt naked. What are their names? And they are not ashamed. They're not naked in their conscience. To them, they're okay. Because their conscience had not been awakened to the point in which they realized that because what made them realize they were naked was sin. They were walking in God's righteousness. You got it. You're on it. Boy, look at this. You're from the sisters today. You said a covering. A covering. Protection. That's right. And so here, when it's saying that your nakedness will not be revealed, will not be shown, and you won't be ashamed because of your nakedness, otherwise there is no sin. Okay? Because what did the blood of Jesus do? He did what? He covered. The fancy word in the Bible in Romans chapter 3 is propitiation. So to propitiate something, it simply means a fancy way of saying, I'm covering it. Okay? So that you cannot see what's underneath. Jesus' blood covered our sins. Amen? So, back in Exodus chapter 24, it tells you and I, as Moses was consecrating the things of the tabernacle, he took the blood of a ram in a basin, and he took his soap, which was a short shrub, okay, and he sprinkled the holy things with one half of the blood. And then he took the blood and he slung it out there, he sprinkled the people. Showing that there was a greater coming, a greater covering of the people's sin. There was going to be a greater sacrifice. And that great sacrifice is Christ himself. And the blood belongs to the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. God's very own son. Okay? And this is, that's why when you're teaching, you got to slow down and bring the pieces of the puzzle together so that people can see what's going on. Alright? So, if I sin, I reluctantly want to go before God because I am now what? Naked. Ashamed. The two are in congruency with each other. And therefore, I don't want God to see my nakedness or my shame. Okay? And these, this particular theme about nakedness and shame runs throughout both the Old Testament and uh, the New Testament. So it's important that you get this. 
So a fancy way you can say to your daughter, or to your son, say, are you naked? Especially when they come back from a, dex, a, a date. Are you, are you naked? <laughs> Mama, what you talking about? <laughs> you go, you're weird. I can hear Emma now go, you're weird. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? But what Mama would be saying is, what did you do? What did you do? Did you sin against God? You go, no, I had my clothes on. Thank God. Okay. Uh, half of the Christian world wouldn't understand that one if you threw it out like that. Go, hey, are you naked? You need to replace that preacher. He's crazy. <laughs> He's a pervert, right? He'll be calling you all kind of names. But if so that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. Jesus said in his very first sermon that if you sin, he said people don't want to come to him because he's the light of the world. So that their sins will be exposed. Okay? He will see their nakedness. All right? But he said, but if you do come and the light shines on your nakedness, it exposes the darkness and the darkness disappears. In other words, he's willing to forgive it and to remove it. So it's not accounted against you or against me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So this is actually a very detailed, beautified teaching of the Lord of a clean vessel before God who's holy. Now, just a few days ago, Mr. David, and I guess you're just in the limelight to be picked on today because your head is shining off the light. Aww. <laughs> you're blind. Okay. <laughs> I was thinking a few days ago, Why do we dwell so much on morality in this country when in fact if you tell people what well, God's moral law and folks are not really going to get that in here right but if you come to them from a criminal law point of view and say you just committed a crime against God and it goes like what you talking about Willis <laughs> then it hits home a whole lot harder than someone saying you violated God's moral law are you hearing me but if you say look dude you just committed a crime against God and the Bible called that sin and you're now on God's court docket. You're going to stand trial for that. They're going to go, huh? <laughs> when in fact, when you read in Romans chapter 2, chapter 3, and chapter 4, it says exactly that. And over in Colossians, it says that there were papers written up against you. 
And Jesus took those papers that was against you and me and nailed them to the tree with him. So that there is no charge against you and against me. And in Romans chapter 8, he said, who would bring a charge against God's elect? Because it's been dealt away with. Isn't that something? Is this making any sense to any of you all? If I'm going too fast, slow me down. If you don't understand soon to be teenage boys back there, then tell me. Was that our debt? Yes. What's another word for debt? It's a three-letter word. Sin. We became indebted to God when we sinned against them. And Jesus paid it in full. That's why that smart my wife of mine every time I say, you need to pay me for this. Jesus paid it all. <laughs> Jesus paid it all. That woman. Verse 4 on the NAU side. For indeed, while we are in this tent, this physical body, Okay? We groan being burdened. I was literally burdened down thinking about my childhood hero yesterday, knowing that the outcome for him is not good. What about yourself? What about when you align yourself to the word of God in Christ Jesus? How does it look for you? Because I did yesterday. And I didn't like what I see. I saw proper verb. I didn't like it. And driving to Gainesville, I said these words to the Lord from the depth of my soul. God, my Father in heaven and Lord Jesus, I Samuel, whom you created for your glory, intentionally sinned against you. I made the choice to sin against you. No one forced me to. I did it through my own conscience. I made the conscious decision to disobey you. And just as I made the conscious decision to disobey you, I, Samuel, now make the conscious decision to obey you. I make the choice, Jesus, to obey you and to love you forever. And you've given me everything I need, according to 2 Peter. God has given us everything we need to live godly and holy before him. So I want to tell you all, stop making excuses for your sins. And tell God the truth. I did it because I wanted to do it. No one made me. And he said, you will know the truth. And the truth shall do what? And I cried going to yesterday. I mean, I did. I said, Lord, I'm tired of living like this. I want a change to be made in heaven and on earth in me now. And by the help of your spirit, I am making the conscious decision to live for you the way you told me to. 
And I'm doing it now, Lord. I'm tired of this corny effect. Up and down. One minute I'm holding, the next minute I'm hiding on a rock because I'm naked. Do I have any witnesses in here? In there. <laughs> King David felt naked before God. And one of the things he said to God, he said, do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Because you know, once that happened, it was all over with. And that is the blanket statement that covers us all from God. And then once you realize that, God wants you now to be to begin to be specific with him. And what does that mean? God, I did this in name from A to Z. To God. I did it. No one forced me. I don't care what kind of temptation they put before me. I chose to do it. There's a difference from and being sifted like wheat from Satan than to purposely choose to sin against God. And even though you know you're sinning against God, you still go on and do it. Because this flesh said, I want it. It feels good. Let me have it. And it's sin. <coughs> and sin makes you naked. And I don't care how well your body may look, before God, you look naked. And God despises nakedness. Okay? Did, 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 did he really put a theme there for nakedness? Did he drive his point home there? In those first four verses about being naked? I think he did. And he did it quite well. Now he who prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave to us the Spirit as a pledge. So now he's shifting. He said, okay, now that God don't want you naked, because this he's about to change your house, okay? So when he changed your house, he doesn't want you naked. And so to prevent you from being naked, the Holy Spirit is now your covering that's what I mean your pledge he's God's seal upon your life to show that God Jesus has covered you you belong to Lord Jesus and the Holy Spirit when God sees his spirit upon you he knows that you belong to him amen and Paul writes in a couple other books that the Holy Spirit is God's down payment to us as a guarantee that at the end time, when we stand before God, we belong to him. Okay? Amen? So that pledge, when God pledges something, when God pledges something, NIV says deposit. King James says guarantee. You can take it to the bank. It's a sure thing, everybody. It's a sure thing. Y'all can jump in here and help me out if you want to. 
Anywhere. I know y'all read this chapter before coming here. Verse 6, therefore, on the King James side, therefore, in this case, this conjunction, therefore, is not a change of thought. Okay? This conjunction is a continuation of a thought. You see that? Therefore, we are always confident. Other words, we are bold. And we have the faith and the blessed assurance of what? What is that blessed assurance that we have? Knowing that while we are at home in the body, in other words, we're still alive here on earth, right? We are absent from the Lord. So while we're here on earth, are you standing right now in the presence of Jesus? Are you standing in front of the throne of God? No. But while we are here in absence from the Lord, this is the confidence. It's going to follow. What did he say? For we walk by what? And not by what? I do believe in Romans chapter 1, after Paul said in verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of who? I'm not ashamed of the gospel of who? Jesus of Jesus Christ, for as the power of God to who? To what? What does that say? Anybody know that one? Are you telling me I'm the only one here that knows that one? Well, we're not ashamed of the gospel in the something about all of that. For, yeah, Ma, this crew need to be educated. Just on the left side, and don't mess with the others, please, go to Romans chapter 1 and pull up verse 16. I'm not ashamed. In other words, I have this confidence. Okay? <laughs> Woo, he's just butchering today. <laughs> for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God. For what reason, Deacon Clinton? For what reason? Unto salvation. Unto salvation. Otherwise, I know that I'm saved. To everyone who believes, beginning with who first? Also to who? Greek, another way to translate that word is Gentile. Then he quotes a passage from the prophet Habakkuk. So this is not new in Paul's writings. See verse 17? For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written. That means he's pointing back to the Old Testament people. And just in case you don't know, you're finding the book of Habakkuk. Okay? The just shall live by what? Other words, Mr. David, while you're here in this flesh, you're not home with Jesus and God in heaven. But by faith, you have the confidence knowing that someday I'm going to be. Okay? So I told y'all, this chapter, boy, it is connected with a lot of stuff, isn't it? 
Okay, Emma, you can put that one back to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6. Good girl, you done got smart as me with this thing. I know. Ooh, sassy too. All right, verse 8, we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. In other words, God, if you want to take me right now, I'm ready because I know Jesus, I'm going to be with you. Some of us are going to say, well, well, Lord, just give me a little bit longer down here. Some of us do. I'm not going to lie. I, I, I do. But Paul's saying that we all should have this confidence that God, ready for me to go, come home? I'm ready. Take me right now. Paul said, let's be this confident. Have this faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, knowing that if we take off this tabernacle, this tent, Put it in the ground. This spirit going to go and be with the Lord. I have this confidence. I have this faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That God the Father is going to make this happen for me. Okay? Look what else he said. Verse 9. Therefore we also have as our what ambition was at home or absent to be pleasing to him? Shelly, what does that mean? We have this ambition, whether here physically on earth or in heaven. There's no difference there in our way of thinking. And that way of thinking should be that we please God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. That's what he's saying. That's the mindset that we got to be in. No matter where we are, we got to be willing to please the Lord. Are you ready for that? Because if you're ready to be that committed to the Lord, that is going to require you to change some stuff in your life. Uh-oh. Get an amen on that one. It requires you to do some shifting of stuff, to alter some ways of thinking, to stop certain behaviors. Amen? And even to start some new behaviors and some new modes of thinking, to bring about some new attitudes. Am I right, Mr. David? It means your whole person has to be altered. If you truly want to be pleasing to God. There's one man in the Bible, after God had blessed him with all his children, he made up in his mind that he would please God. Who am I talking about? And in that, because he did that for the next 300 years, I think it was there about, he made sure his life pleased God. And God was so touched, I'm just using the word so, God was touched by this man's commitment to please him.
And I believe it, that's why God took him. He was the first human not to see death. Who am I talking about? Elijah. Say it again, little boy. Enoch. Enoch. The grandfather or the father of Methuselah and the great-great-grandfather of Noah. And the writer of Hebrews and the writer of Jude will tell us a little bit more about Enoch's life. Because it's said that Enoch preached to the lost and told them to get right with God. But they ignored him. And he told them that there was a judgment coming from God and they ignored him y'all didn't know that did you study the scriptures very carefully boy it's so beautiful it's amazing what the Holy Ghost will show you and so Emma can you pull nine to the top please reconcile the cross thank you And here it is, number 10. This is where the rubber meets the road for every child of God. And every so-called child of God. Number 10. Look at it very carefully and digest it into your spirit. And what does it say, Shelley? Out loud. Verse 10. It says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body. Okay. Did you get that? That means... Mr. and Mrs. Christian, young and older, we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ the Lord. So it is important that verse 9 be paramount in your life. And I'm saying this because a lot of us like to get angry at each other over foolish things and not realizing that we're not pleasing the Lord and that someday we're all going to stand before God, before Jesus Christ, the head of his church. And we're going to tell him what we did. He's going to question us. Samuel, why did you do that? Samuel, why did you do that? What does it say? Judgment means that there has to be some answers. And am I right, Mr. David? Judgment means that you're going to answer some questions. 
And this is not lost people. Notice this is not for lost people. This is for who? The church. Believers. Believers. And we think, oh, I'm saved. Well, I don't have to. Uh, 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 hold up. There is going to be accountability even for the house of God. Other words, saved people. Everybody is a sinner. <laughs> and so, you still want to treat your brother or sister the way you've been treating them? You still want to treat the Lord the way you've been treating him? So I was sick of the as a dog in my spirit yesterday. I felt like Deacon, I kid you not. I felt like as if I had to vomit out demons out of me. That's the way I felt yesterday. I really wanted to stop the van and just go, and just whatever it was, just come out. Because I know someday I'm going to stand before our Lord, our King. The righteous King is the word calls him. And I'm going to have to tell him why I did certain things. I may be able to hide certain things from Deacon Clinton. Maybe hide certain things from Sister Vicki. I may even hide some things from Miss Nelson. But I can never hide any things from King Jesus. Not only is he taking note, but the word of God said there's a heavenly scribe. Did you know that? And he's writing. When you repent, oh yeah, that's what true repentance do. It changes the slate. Okay, that's why it's so crucial. What Lord Jesus says. If you don't forgive men their trespasses against you, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you your trespasses against him. Now that's pretty heavy. I used to get nasty mad at certain family members. Wouldn't speak. Didn't want nothing to do with them. And Jesus said, are you kidding me? Have you looked in the mirror and see what I see? Hmm. Are you ready to stand before me now? No, I'm not, Lord. Then why are you so hard on that one? You give the same compassion to that one that I gave to you. It's pretty deep in Mr. David. But that's what he requires. Deacon bust me upside the head one day so bad. The other deacon, the, the baby deacon. A certain guy that come in here sometime rolls me the wrong way. And I had finished a teaching on something. 
And that young deacon turned to me one day, and I had forgotten all about it. And he threw right back upon me what I had been teaching y'all. Pastor Sammy, you got to even love. And I looked at him like, you little sassy thing, you, you just had to bring that up, didn't you? <laughs> You're learning too fast, shut your mouth. <laughs> We don't want other people to point out our weakness, do we? <laughs> but it was necessary by the Holy Ghost that he did that to me. Because I'm a teacher of men. That's what the Bible calls me. And Paul said, don't you know that teachers come on a greater condemnation? There's a greater wrath laid up for me if I don't walk in holiness and I teach you to, and I don't. That's another thing that tore me up yesterday. God, please help me. I want to be everything you are, Lord Jesus, before the Father in holiness. We're just about finished today. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. How old are you, darling? You ready to see Jesus? Are you ready to answer how you got mad at your mama? Or you kicked your brother? Or you refuse to speak to a certain classmate? I'm just being presumptuous. I don't know these things happen. <laughs> look how she go. How did you know those things? <laughs> I was actually being presumptuous. Okay? But to illustrate a point, are you ready? Are you ready to be questioned by the Lord Jesus Christ about your life? Your young life, as young as it is, are you prepared now to tell Jesus, Lord, I lived the very best I could. Yes, I did push that girl. Yes, I did say that thing. And I knew better. Are you willing to put yourself out there now and say, Lord Jesus, I know this day is coming, whether soon or later in life, I'm going to stand before you. And by your spirit and by your word, I want to be ready. I want to be that daughter that you say that I am. I'm ready to stand before you, Jesus, because I've done my very best with the help of the Holy Spirit to live my life the way you told me to. And so, if, if all of us, I just use her because she's an easy target. Okay? But the fact remains is you're going to have to tell too. Okay? Are you willing to tell? Are you not willing, but because you're going to. Are you ready, though, to tell Jesus about the things you've done that nobody else knows? But he knows. Yes, sir. What you are saying is, are you prepared to face him with the unforgiven sins that you have? Committed? Yeah. Because all you have to do is ask for forgiveness. And truly mean... That thing called repentance. Correct. You, know, you don't have to stand before him 
and explain yourself because you already brought it to him for forgiveness and told him what you've done. But there's a teaching out there now that says because we're on the grace, you don't have to worry about it. Uh, but Paul did not just write this here. Did you know that? He also wrote this in his letter to the Roman church in chapter 13. He said, do you not know you will stand before the judgment seat of God? He was talking to Christians in that letter to the Romans. And now he's writing a similar thing to the church in Corinth. So do you think maybe God is saying something to us? If it's been written twice? I think he is. Okay? So we're going to talk about the deeds, what's been done in the body. And that everybody here know what the word recompense means? Recompense is a fancy way of saying pay. I'm going to pay you for what you've earned. Okay? And it kind of goes back to Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So recompense is another way, so you're going to get your wage. That's do you. Okay? So Jesus is ready to write the check. He's ready to pay. <laughs> What's the time? Therefore, verse 11, or since, I like over in the NIV, it says since, because the word since says it's a reality. Are you hearing me? The word since said that it is a reality. That since then we know what it is to fear the Lord. Paul said, I know what it's like to fear Jesus. Because he remembers his Damascus Road experience. He remembers that event. When he was on his way to arrest Christians and to have them brought before the high priest and found guilty and then stoned to death. Until the Lord cut him off and stopped him. Is that the road to Damascus? Yes, sir. Acts chapter 9. So he's, he, he knows what it's like to fear the Lord. And then he said, because I know what that fear is like to fear God. Look at the other part of that verse. You see that? He says, because I know the fear of the Lord. We try to persuade men. What does that mean, Mr. Dave? Because I know the fear of the Lord. I'm going to go and try and get you to change. I'm going to try and get you to turn from your sins by turning to Jesus Christ because I know what waits you. That's right. And I've experienced just on earth what it's like to feel in dread of the Lord. So I know what it's like. I don't want to have to face him up there like that. So I'm telling you down here, you need to change. And that's what you need to be doing. Remember I told some of you all the other day that 
The Lord has dealt with me. Stop trying to be buddy-buddy with people, but tell them the truth about their life and show them, hey, this is the outcome. You can say God loved me and I know I'm saved, but if your life does not reflect that, there's a day accountability coming and the truth will come out. And that truth will be, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. He said, but there's a little catchphrase in there before he said the latter phrase. He said, depart from me, I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. But Jesus, didn't we watch you teach in our streets? Yes, you did. But Jesus, didn't I sit down at the table and eat with you? Yes, you did. And cast out demons in your name? Yes, you did. And done all kind of miracles in your name? Yes, you did. But I never knew you. Because you mistaken because there's power in my name. And it's that power that in his name that casts out the demons, not you. That's right. And because power is in his name, you thought, oh, I know the Lord. But you really didn't. And a fine example of that, everybody, we see is Judas. Got that close to the Lord Jesus Christ. And never allowed Jesus to go where? In here. Judas always had his own motive. His own motive. That's why I tell these young ladies, these young men, I don't care what that world out there offers you. You better not walk away from Jesus. You better not forget your first love. I don't care how famous you get. And what's that basketball player named Stephen Curry? Am I saying his name right? Stephen Curry. She is not forgetting his first love. Even though last year he was the NBA MVP, that young man publicly announced that he belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ and his family. Tim Tebow, yeah. as much as the world wanted to shut him up, that's why they didn't want him in the NFL. Because they didn't want a preacher on the field. Huh? But a lot of them, when they stand before God, is going to wish they had. And here's another thing you need to know about Tim Tebow. Some of them so-called Christian brothers did not agree with his methods. And they too will answer to Jesus. And some of them will probably say, man, can you tone it down a little bit? Do you have to be so vocal? And the answer from Tim Tebow is, yes, I do. <laughs> and Tim chose. He chose Jesus over the pursuit of millions of dollars. And it goes back to what Lord Jesus said. 
What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? What does it profit a man or woman if he will gain the whole world and lose his soul? Young people, you may be that famous doctor someday, Emma. You may be the famous person that you want to be someday. You may, Marquise, end up be the top of whatever it is that you're pursuing. But if you're not walking with Jesus, and if you're not professing Jesus, when you stand before God, none of that's going to do you any good. Like Muhammad Ali got to the top of the world. But he did not profit anything. He gained the whole world as a boxer. But in the end, and I hate to say this because judgment doesn't belong to me, but it looks like he lost his soul. Because he denied the only son of the living God, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Two minutes. Sir? Couldn't use it all. Huh? Yeah. And I tell you? Yes, sir. What about people who have never experienced Christianity or the Lord? Like somebody who lives out in the middle of the desert or the jungles of how can they be saved? They never knew him. I'm so glad you asked that question because you're the second person to ask me that question today. So the Holy Ghost must be asked, must be talking to me. It's important for me to know the right answer to this question. Because my very own son, my oldest baby, asked me that question today, Michael. And Michael's pretty sharp in the scriptures. Emma? Go to Romans chapter 1, please. We're finishing 2 Corinthians. We'll pick that up again next week. Since this question got to be addressed, I give you all the liberty of those who want to leave because it will not take me 30 seconds to answer this question. But if you will bear with me, I will show you from the scriptures what God himself has said about this through the handwriting of the Apostle Paul. Romans chapter 1. Reconcile it across the board, Emma. And I want you to bring it on down. Starting at verse 16. So Paul is writing a letter to the Roman church. He said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to all who believe, beginning with the Jew first, and then unto the Greek. For it is written there in the next verse, he tells, For the just shall live by faith. As it is written there, he says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. Got that, Mr. David? For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. For what? against all ungodliness. I'm looking at verse 18. And unrighteousness of men. That means universal. That means worldwide. 
who hold the truth in unrighteousness. In other words, they decided that righteousness is going to be this way rather than God's way. They made up their own way for living. So they know God's way, but they want to do it their way. You got it. I'm asking about people who do not. This is leading into it. I heard you perfectly. But even people that don't know God know right from wrong. That's what he, <laughs> you are on the line of thinking of Paul. Okay? I mean, it's only common sense. You know, the Ten Commandments are just common. Put 19 to the top, Emma. <laughs> okay, here it is. Because that which may be known of God is manifested in them. They know right from wrong. For God has showed it, what? To them. No matter where they're from, it doesn't matter. God has shown every man right from wrong in them. Tribal people, they've gone and found out that even the, the most remote tribal people have a law within their tribe that you just don't kill another man or you don't go take another man's pig or goat, okay, or his wife. They know by nature that these things are wrong. Well, we say by nature, that's the word we use, but it's by who? By God. That's what you're saying, okay? Because God has put it in them. In verse 20, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Okay? What did he just say? No excuse for doing things wrong. There's no excuse for doing things wrong. And there's no excuse to say God doesn't exist. Because they have trees and earth. You got it. He said, even the things that you cannot see, the wind, the air, oh, you, these things speak that there is a creator God. Okay? Even your own moral code that we like to call it, within you, tells you that God exists and that he's holy. Okay? Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. They called him something else. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imagination, and their foolish hearts was darkened. So they decided, after knowing the truth in them from God, that they want to do something else. They want to live a certain way. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. What is the definition of fool? A one, a King David said in Psalms 14, verse 1, a fool has said in his heart, there is no God. So they made the conscious decision with their own imagination. God is not real. Or this is my God. This is my God. This is my God. And I can live the way I want to. And God says, you remember the parable of the rich man that had abundance of crops? And he decided, oh, 
what will I do? I will tear down my barns and build bigger barns. And eat and drink and be what? Be merry or joyful. Happy. Now this is the Lord Jesus telling the story. And it says, and the, and the Lord would say to him, Thy fool, this night thy soul will be required of thee. Then whose things will they be? You can't take it with you. Instead of giving God the glory and distributing to the poor, in that parable, that selfish man decided to do what? Think of him what? Hoard himself. Hoard it all. Instead of giving God the glory. And God said, this night, you're going to give an account with your own life. Because I'm taking it. But people don't want to hear teachings like that. Verse 23, put it to the top, Emma. Well, basically, if you live a good life, even if it didn't go about Christ because you lived in a jungle and it died, you're still going to face, uh, face God. You're still going to face God. Like, you're a pretty good guy. Even though you didn't really know me by name, you knew me in your thoughts. Well, however way God works that out, Paul says they're still without excuse and that they know how to live a certain way based on what God had put in them. And then he's described how men come about idolatry. They make idols and call them their gods. But he's saying that there is accountability. There's no excuse for you not knowing God. Well, like it says in Corinthians, well, we must all appear before judgment, regardless <laughs> if you're new or not new. I mean, we're all going to appear before him. Because even over in Galatians, Paul says, for the Gentiles who didn't have the law, so they didn't know about God's that we call moral law. He said they had a law within them. Other words, by what we call nature or God, God had placed a law in them so that they still would know how to live before him. So there's, there's still no excuse why we can't live before God. And, and we may not know the name of Jesus, we still should know that God exists. And I know the Bible teaches that without Christ, no man could be saved. But Paul is saying that whatever God chooses on that day, he still has put enough of himself in you for you to know he exists. Because I, I used to ask the same questions. Well, what about those people that the gospel has never reached and they died? Paul said, just by nature itself, you should know that the Almighty exists. You should know that there's a Savior. And you should acknowledge Him. And you should live according to what He has placed in you. And based on that, that's how God is going to judge you. 
Now, there's some teaching out there saying that without Christ you can't be saved. I'm not saying against that a person, let me be careful how I say this. The blood of Jesus saves everybody. How God's going to deal with those people that never heard the gospel to know that. Paul saying they're without excuse, they still should know God exists. Now, how God deal with them? I don't know. I'm going to be straight up with you. And it's very dangerous for me to speculate. So I thank God for Jesus Christ, our Lord, who's the only way to the Father, the only source of eternal life. And therefore, we must place our trust in him and him alone. And people that die outside of that, we just pray, God, whatever your will is, let your will be done. But I thank you for Jesus. Did, did I? I'm hoping according to what Paul pointed out there to the Romans. That have come across my mind many times, Mr. David, over the years. God, what about those people that have never received the gospel who have died? How are you going to handle them? Well, then she just brought up another part. If you're born mentally unstable and you have no reasoning of right and wrong. Of course. But everyone God's children, even most people. Well, here's what I have to share with you about mentally ill people. Uh -huh. Or those who not necessarily mentally ill, but does not have the mental capacity to understand. That is from an earthly point of view. You're looking at the physical. The spirit is not like that. The Holy Spirit deals spirit to spirit. Are you understanding me? What is incapable of the physical mind to understand, the spirit mind can understand. Amen. And we see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, starting in verse 10, where Paul says that it is the spirit of God that tells us about the deep things of God. Even a person in his so-called right mind can't understand the things of God unless the spirit of God reveals them to him. Okay? And that's the same thing for mentally challenged people unless the spirit reveals it to them they're not going to get it so I don't see any differences in that because the spirit speaks he knows how to reach people all people okay any questions any further questions <laughs> good question haven't had that one in a while but, but it was pretty important for you to bring that up. All I can pray, Lord Jesus, have mercy upon him. It's a conundrum, right? Yeah. It falls under the umbrella as we get ready to close out in prayer. Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 29, 29. Emma, pop it up on the screen. Deuteronomy 29, 29. Take this one and put it in your repertoire. 
Yeah. I got to meet with the deacon soon. Uh, uh, something I need to bring up real quick. Uh, Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, chapter, you all the way into Joshua. Got to go up, 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 up. They, <laughs> up. Deuteronomy now chapter 29. Where'd it go? Where's the chapter? 29. Okay, come on down. Now scroll it down to verse 29. In fact, I think it's the last verse in that chapter. At least I thought it was. It is. It's, it's the last. Okay. It says here, the secret things belong to the Lord our God. That means those answers to those questions that you have, it belongs to him. But the things revealed belong to us and to our sons forever, that we may observe all the words of this law. So, Mr. David, some things that, that, that has come straight out from the Lord, we're, we're, we, we know those things when he gives it to us directly. But those things that we got to kind of guess at, Moses said it must be a secret thing that belongs to the Lord, God. He's not going to give it to us. It goes in the same line. What happened to people that commit suicide? The scripture doesn't cover that. And what happened to babies when they die? The scripture doesn't tell us that either. Those are those secret things that belong to God and God alone. Make sense, everybody? All right, there's... Uh, Choir rehearsal after Bible study. I'll meet with the two deacons over at Shelly's computer because you need to look at the computer with me. And also, I got everybody here. I've made up a new pamphlet to pass out on the ministry. And I want people to see that this is a fellowship where everybody is welcome. It's a family ministry. And I want to take a group picture. I got a guy that can take really nice professional pictures free for us. I would like to do it either this Sunday or the following Sunday because I, got, I want to get this pamphlet, this flyer out there so people can. Well, I want y'all to walk the streets and pass them out. I want you to go to Winn-Dixie. I'm going to print up hundreds of them. And I want y'all to walk the streets, put them on people's cars, put them on doorposts. Okay, don't leave them in your vehicles. Okay. Let's get this ministry. Let's let people know who we are and what we stand for, who we belong to. Now, I want us to put our group picture of us right there so they can see that people from all walks of life are here. Amen? So, and he's waiting on me to tell him today. So, this Sunday would be too soon. I think Father's Day would be an excellent day to take that picture. Well, there's going to be a lot going on now. We're going from service to the food thing. We're going to make Wait, that transition. But you dress pretty. Yeah, I'm when are we going to do that, though? It takes about 10 seconds to get... Oh, we can go to the following Sunday after that. Okay? The Sunday after Father's Day. But we need to take this group picture soon. This Sunday's All right? Deacon closes in prayer. Y'all got to get going.
I want to thank you for everything you do for us. I want to thank you for the blood you shed for us on the cross to take away our sins. Um, I want to thank you for the just the chance to know you. Yes, um, Lord. I want to thank you for giving me the chance to ask for forgiveness for the things that I do. Um, and for being with everyone here. And I ask that you stay with everybody here when we leave and wherever we go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Pastor.